She makes like ghost babies. Ghost babies? Like, like as in make a ghost a baby or make a baby a ghost? Oh, I when think a mommy ghost and a daddy ghost love each other sure. a lot. That's okay, also well, that, part of it. That's the that's the easy way of making a ghost baby. The creepy way is <laughs> much oh. more bloody. <laughs> Although Jen has mentioned to me that um, it used to be in The Sims you could you could really play evil god and like. People go in the pool, and then you remove the, the ladders ladder. from the pool and stuff. Apparently, it's much harder to do that kind of things now. Oh. You have to actually work at it in order to kill the people. Yeah, you can't just put them in a room and take away all the doors and windows yeah, anymore. Yeah, maybe there was a serial killer out there who would like put, like, favorite video game, Sims, on his <laughs> yeah. psychological profile, and <laughs> that got back to somebody. For, okay, since it can't it. be picked up on the mic, Jen has played a serial killer once. It was fun. I'm just writing that. In The Sims 2, apparently. Okay, you have to so, specify you want so, to be a serial killer? No, no she had to be no, specific. She had to specify which game. Sims 2 you could be a serial killer. She was a profession. And with serial that, uh, welcome to another episode of True North Nerds. Uh, we're recording this one a little bit early because I'm out of town. And Jen was supposed to be out on the water. Uh, fighting dragons with a paddle. <laughs> so in uh, in uh, response to that, we needed somebody else to come on. So uh, I don't want to call him a special guest anymore because he's <laughs> recurring he's guest star, recurring friend guest of the star. show. He's got like that last credit on Deep Space Nine now. Yeah. It's, it's like the Stuart Sutcliffe of of. Uh, True North Nerds. No, because no. you've actually appeared on episodes, and he never appeared on an actual Beatles album. And they kicked him out early, so yeah. we're not kicking you out. Yeah, you, you're more we keep like... keep inviting you in. You're more kind of like if Eric Clapton showed up on a couple more Beatles you're tracks. Like, oh, okay. Or you're like Whoopi Goldberg on Star Trek The Next Generation. Yeah, that's a good one, too. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you show up, you do something important, and we don't see you for six episodes. Okay, I could I could be Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> <laughs> so, Snowhawk Cosplay, Ed Campbell is with us. Along with Ryan and Kevin. Hello. You're not going to say hello, Ryan. Well, I didn't know. You didn't... Hello, Ryan. Yeah, this, <laughs> this is going to be a shit show episode, ain't it? <laughs> no, because we're actually prepared this time. So, um, well, vaguely, yeah. So before we get into the meat of the episode, Ryan has a rundown of a couple news items, I believe. Yeah. One. Well, you know, I've had a really busy day today. And uh, so I found a few minutes to sit at the computer and uh, make some notes. Is that uh, before or after you put on pants? Oh, that uh, was before I put on pants. <laughs> I've got one that just dropped uh, this afternoon, too, that I want to Your talk pants about. just dropped? Well, Hey-o. before I got in the shower. Oh. That's good. Uh, well, you might as well go with yours first. And okay. Then uh, so mine is another um, theme park uh, bit of news that Ooh. also involves Star Wars. Ooh. But uh, it involves Star Wars in a way that's not related to all the big Star Wars news we talked about. Oh, okay. Um, so this just dropped this afternoon on the Disney Parks blog um, in collaboration with Lucasfilm and the ILM Lab. 
and a company called The Void. They are going to be doing a fully immersive virtual reality Star Wars themed attraction at Disney Springs that will open this fall. What the hell is Disney Springs? Disney Springs is their shopping district. It's sh- it used to be downtown Disney. Oh, shopping, okay. restaurants. So there's already a Star Wars store there. The Star Wars Galactic Outpost is there. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is going to be called Star Wars Secrets of the Empire. It's going to open just before Christmas this year. Um, it's going to open at downtown Disney at Disneyland and at Disney Springs at Walt Disney World. And it will be be so the rooms it's themselves will be sort of empty i guess but there'll be things in them that you can interact with and everything will be mapped over by this 3d um vr technology that you'll wear uh, mm-hmm. so sort of a google glass like technology i'm sure uh this company has also done work on other similar projects uh the void uh, and Don't, they're the ones behind the Ghostbuster. Yes, thing, right? there's a Ghostbusters attraction at Madame Tussauds in New York. Ah, I believe it is also in Toronto. Is it? Yes, it's at this. Um, I'm trying to remember what it is. It's like a barcade, basically. Like it's oh. a big bar that also has like this virtual reality set up and arcade games and. It's one of those things that I really think we should take a field trip to. Uh, yes, yeah, I remember yeah, seeing that I know online. it's in Toronto, yes. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I want to say it's down by the lakefront, like not too far okay. from uh, the where um, uh, now called Sugar Beach, uh, where the, the course building is, where the, the sugar factory was, and probably around where the warehouse was, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So there's no details about storyline or anything like that, uh, just that... Um, You'll be able to step into this Star Wars story. You'll be fully immersed in it. Uh, there, It's going to involve touch and sound and smell and visuals. Uh, so it is a fully immersive Star Wars experience that will be open this Christmas and you, at Walt Disney and World. And you're saying it's in the shopping district? Yeah. So maybe it's a, a, a store where you, when you put on the goggles, virtual reality Art Carney pops up from the Christmas special. No, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, they've just revamped. Uh, are they in the process of re um, imagineering their toy store at Downtown Disney, uh, and uh, the Star Wars uh, stuff has been moved over to there. So uh, that's all I know. This just sort of came out of nowhere as I checked my news feeds uh, after work today, and thought that this would be something that would you guys would be interested in. And once again, Disney. I know you're listening. Of course, <laughs> we, we would they? be more than happy to come down and test all this shit out for you, Ryan. Okay, so we got some movie news. Uh, Pacific Rim Uprising, which I'm looking forward to seeing, has been pushed back by a, a month. Oh, has it? Yes. Oh, okay. Which I think I read it's the third time it's been delayed uh, during the whole process of filming and everything. So, so there's that. Um, uh, Jack Thorne. Do you know the name? No. Apparently he wrote uh, the screenplay for Sandman. Oh. Oh, like and Neil Gaiman's Sandman? Yes, so it's the movie version of it. Okay. And he's being brought on to be a new set of eyes on episode nine. Huh. No. Well, I guess they would have had to revamp episode nine 
pretty heavily. Yeah, because they, they have to write out Carrie Fisher somehow, or they had to write her out a little bit in episode yeah. eight. Well, from what I read online, it's like this it's been the director and his writing partner that have done been doing all the writing mm-hmm. on the movie, and then yeah, they brought it, him in uh, just kind of you know, that, as a fresh set of eyes. I can't remember what name is, but he's the dude who did Jurassic World. Oh, his, he's doing episode nine? He's doing episode nine. So maybe a dinosaur eight. General Leia. Or maybe she'll ride off into the sunset on the back of a T-Rex. That would be kind of awesome. Uh, Mm. uh, Ian McShane. Actor. Yeah, I I was going to get there too. From John Wick, American Gods, Game of Thrones. Has been cast to be Professor Broom in the Hellboy remake. Good choice. Um, I I love John Hurt as that part in the original Hellboy, but unfortunately John Hurt is no longer with us, so... Got to replace him somehow. Well, and Ian McShane is absolutely perfect in everything. Yeah, <laughs> like the Hercules movie with the Rock. He's I, good in that. I enjoy it, but I still haven't his, seen that. I want to see it, but I haven't seen it. Where he reminds him why he is Hercules. That is just enough to kick your ass in the morning, get going, and it makes you believe <laughs> that you know I can be Hercules too. Because you know, just when he's talking him up. So yeah, he could he could read a Chinese food menu, and I'd be <laughs> yeah, happy. Have you ever seen Cuban Fury? No. It's a comedy with Nick Frost and Chris O'Dowd from the IT club or the IT crowd. And uh and he plays this bar owner slash salsa dancing instructor champion and he's great in it. Mm. Like it's like one of those little hidden gem movies. Jen and I watched one night when there was like well, you flip through Netflix and you want the random button kind of thing, like ah, oh, it's got Ian McShane and Chris O'Dowd and Nick Frost, how terrible can this be? And it actually turned out pretty good, and he's the best part of it. <laughs> uh, sticking with movie news, we've got uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp has started production. Yeah, oh, I saw that little teaser they released with yeah. the tiny little director's chairs. Oh, see, I didn't see that. Yeah, they show the chairs, and then they zoom and then in. Then they pan them. across. They show director's chairs, and they pan across, and there's two tiny ones. It's, one says Ant-Man, one says Wasp, and they're sitting up on a table. Oh, That's nice. sort of one of those movies that, like, I... I assume they've been working on it for a while or whatever, but it just sort of seemed like out of nowhere it got put together and now they're filming. Well, it comes out next July. Yeah. Because yeah. it's after Avengers. Yeah. And what's the one after, I guess, is it Captain Marvel? There's also one, like, is uh, it the November movie next so it year? Goes Thor, Black Panther, Avengers, Ant-Man. Ant-Man. Then something, I think there's a, th- a fourth one? No, there's only three next year, right? Black Panther. Well, I'm surprised there's Avengers anything coming Ant-Man? out after Avengers this year. Like, I would have thought they'd kind of I mean, hold off. Year. Or next year. I would have thought they'd hold off for... Unless, really, those two movies are two very separate movies at this point. Yeah. I think they are. Yeah. Well, they've said they are, but, you know, that, but then who knows not, they how much smoke and mirrors that yeah. is, too. And they right? won't tell us the title of the next one yeah. because they don't want to spoil the first one. I hope it's got Kang the Conqueror in it. He's my favorite Avengers villain. Ooh, and they can go through time and... Uh, no, what? no, Would, no. Where does no. he fall? Is he a shared character? No, he's a, I, to me, he's a Fantastic Four Kang character. Kang yes. is Kang. not a Fantastic... But he the, the, is, uh, but he the same now. argument could be said First, the Skrulls, which are now a shared character. Yeah, Kane first appeared in Avengers. He's an Avengers villain, but he's yeah, Nathaniel but Richards. Yeah, is he? Yeah. When did that oh, happen? Did they, when did they do that? During, during FF. Yeah, during uh, that really good uh, Hickman. Yeah, yeah, the Hickman run. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, yeah, but that would have been long after they did the Fantastic Four movie right stuff. So yeah, he probably isn't. Yeah, he's like Kang could still be. 
But then, you know, you get in King of the Conqueror and Avengers. Okay, so Doctor Strange brought magic into it, and Guardians brought more Time space into it. Time travel has the pitfalls of making stories shitty. Yeah, exactly. Let's just be honest here. Yeah. Done well, it can be really good. Doctor Who, Prime Do you want to bring Kang the Conqueror in and get into this whole X-Men 3, The Last Stand? But the thing that makes it, now that Michelle Pfeiffer is cast as, uh, the I wasp? guess, the original Wasp, now imagine they have to go back in time, and we get Ant the original Ant Man of Michael Douglas and the original Wasp of Michelle Pfeiffer, and they de-age them a little bit, like how they did in the movie, mm -hmm. and we and like during Cold War era, and like you know you can even throw in a Winter Soldier Easter egg there there somewhere, mm -hmm. and like it, there's some potential cool shit if you used Kang. But well, isn't that Agent of Atlas character appearing in the next? In one of the upcoming... Yeah, you you mentioned that note. I don't, I don't uh, really know anything no about Agents of Atlas. Yeah, uh, other was, than um, Leonard Kirk drew it. Chinese name that I can't remember. And I right watched now. him draw a page right in front of me at a bar one night. <laughs> so, they're they're and the Captain Marvel movie set in the '90s, so they're dropping hints all over the place that there's mm. been there's been superheroic activity, not before, before Iron, Iron Bef Man oh, yeah. did his thing. So. Before before the Avengers initiative. Yeah. So. Interesting. So, yeah. And Wasp will be the first Marvel female character to have her name on a movie. So she's sharing the title, but that oh, comes yeah, out before the, Captain, Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel does. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we still haven't got a Black Widow, so. No. Okay. Uh, anything else? Uh, yep, yeah, more movie news. Uh, we got a new Deadpool 2 image. Did you guys see oh, that one? Oh, the, I did the, see that. The domino. With the domino and recreating the whole uh, fireplace image that but now we did on the last one. Deadpool is the bearer skin rug. Exactly, yep. Yeah, I read a whole thing about that, or maybe it was a Nerdist video, how that that was a parody of the old um, uh, Burt Reynolds yeah. thing. Yeah. So I thought it was I saw that thing. video too. I, that was a Nerdist video. I like the I like the costume change, and but it's one of those things that Domino doesn't really have a costume as no. long as you kind of get the iPad. Well, that's the one thing, thing that they right? switched, and I saw people in some threads oh, complaining man. about because well, we'll get back to the internet being full of idiots later. But uh, I guess instead of I guess in the comics she's got like white, white skin. skin or white body paint with a black eye patch. Yeah. And in this she's got a black or a white eye patch and she's like darker skinned. Yeah, whatever her real yeah, skin color whatever. is. Whatever. Domino does oh, she's supposed to be white. Domino's like she's cool and all, but she doesn't really have anything defining as a character no. in the comics. Not that no. I've ever read. Yeah. And in fact the first Domino was an imposter for how many issues of X Force had? Any idea? When the when they revealed that she was a fake Oh, it was a while. Yeah, it was a like, while. Like, like at least a year. I I want to say. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. You know, somewhere around issue nine, issue ten, yeah. somewhere in there. Of the old Liefeld run. Yeah. 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 Well, Liefeld had already left by that point, I think, too. But yeah. yeah, that's a character I've never really cared about. So yeah. Well, that's and the thing is, she's nobody really slate. has ever cared about. Well, and she didn't really have a character. Yeah. No. Exactly. It, like it's you know what she bugs was, me is they they complain about that. But they didn't complain about Negasonic Teenage Warhead, which is a completely different character with that name slapped on it. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like you're just complaining because you're a racist piece of shit. Exactly. That's really what it comes down to. Yeah. Uh, and one last bit of movie news was uh, WWE's own John Cena has been cast in an unspecified lead role in the Transformers Bumblebee spinoff movie. 
We were talking about this before Kevin arrived, <laughs> and we came up with some ideas. Yes. <laughs> Who wants to go? Do, do they need people in these movies anymore? Like, yeah, you need at least yeah. you need a couple human anchors. You need somebody you know, to sit yeah. in the car. Yeah. To be honest, or more, to be the car. I'm yeah. I think in, he's going to get some of those ab rollers. They're going to oh. paint him yellow, and he's just going to roll around. You know, this one's going to be not as big budget. You know, it's not a Michael Bay movie. They okay. got to cut he, the he'll budget. He'll just be wearing like a yellow tracksuit and be like, <laughs> "You can't <laughs> me." <laughs> That's that would be funny. I I also I, I also would like to point out that John Cena probably weighs about the same as That's a kind of, <laughs> so. and he could probably lift one over his head. Yeah. So. Well, it would be interesting what character he plays. Um, unfortunately, unless who knows, maybe he's going to play a Witwicky again or something like yeah, that. I think he could be a villain because the little synopsis I read about the movie says something about uh, some had some some female name, some girl's name. Fine is like in a. Oh, oh no! Um, uh, what's the word? Uh, I don't know. Oh my god, my brain doesn't work. I'm on holidays this week, so um, in a salvage yard, and comes across this old beaten up VW bug, this yellow VW, and, and ends up like I guess I don't know if he's been deactivated. Kind of probably along the, line, the same lines of Optimus in the fourth one, where or they find him. Bumblebee in the first movie. Well, no, no. <laughs> Because he wasn't deactivated in no, the first but he, movie. He, he just kind of like a piece of shit. Well, yeah, but he was activated. But it sounds like she like finds a way to turn him back on and then makes a new friend. And Yeah, it could be. So, Actually, Cena as a villain wouldn't be a bad idea either. Put him in, he, it's the only heel turn he's ever going to get. Yeah, he's oh. not going to get that in wrestling. I, I'm just curious how the, 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 if this affects something. Maybe he'll be a pretender. Oh. So he'll actually be a transformer. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the chick that made out with... Uh, Shia oh, LaBeouf, LaBeouf yeah, yeah. in the second one, yeah. but they also introduced. Didn't they introduce in the the last movie that the the w- wikis have been sort of tied in with Transformers? Well, for a actually, long and they they end up calling the one group the Wick Wiccans. Yeah, so like they're set, they show that you know Sam and his family lead right back to Merlin in Transformers Five. So. Hmm. Well, at least if not Merlin, because that's where the no, chick's Mer- family. But no, the same family or the same lineage of, oh, yeah. of um, what's his, uh, who's the old guy? Well, Anthony Hopkins. That's character. his name, Anthony Hopkins. So. I like I said, I'm, I'm like as a wrestling fan, I'm kind of curious what this does for Cena, especially if that movie is a hit. Well, yeah, well, it's, it's going to be a hit. It's It's going to make money. Well, it's going to make, but it's not. It's Bumblebee. You know what yeah, I but mean? The yeah, Bumblebee, no, like Bumblebee is Bumblebee and Optimus Prime have been the focus of their merchandising campaign and since the 2007. Movies. True. Will they call this like Bumblebee a Transformers story? Yeah, I think is what, what trans- it pretty much takes place in the 80s. Too, Transformers right? Origins, Bumblebee. Yeah. And because like I like basically when The Rock did that Hercules movie right before that, he did his WrestleMania stuff and like had a hernia and they had to push production back. And it was at that point The Rock ceased being a wrestler because yeah. he makes too much money doing movies. And it was kind of funny that Cena during that whole WrestleMania thing where he called The Rock out for being like, I've been here all the time. Yeah, you go up. Yeah. So like as we were talking before we started recording um, the other night was now this is a couple weeks oh. ago by the time people are listening to this. 
It was Shinsuke Nakamura he's, and John Cena. To be fair, he's looking for a way out. That's a that's a rough job to have. He's getting he's lucky. He's had some injuries that he's come back from. He's not paralyzed. He's probably not going to be. He's probably going to be in good shape when he's older. But like as I was telling you guys, the last match I saw him with, he got dumped on his head awfully bad. Yeah. yeah. And like like when I mean bad, like had it been a little bit more, there's a good chance he ain't doing Bumblebee next month. <laughs> So, yeah. you now, know, it could also and like be... he was also in the running for the, the co-hosting job with, uh, what's her name? Kelly Ripa. And he, like, it, they ended up not going with him. But there's reasons why, like, he keeps getting these well, daytime he, hosting jobs because he's good at it. So he's well, going Well, he did eventually. really well in that, in that movie, uh, is it Amy Schumer? Yeah, he, well, he was in... Uh, Trainwreck. Trainwreck That's with it. Amy Schumer. He yeah. was really funny in that. And then he was in... Um, Sisters, I think it was called. It had it was Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. That movie's garbage. It's a hot garbage fire. But he's a drug dealer in it, and oh, he and once again he's good. Terrible movie. He's good in it. So. Well, and that's the thing. Like when he did his original movie run there with the Marine and Twelve Rounds, they were enjoyable action movies produced by WWE. Mm. But uh, you know, it's interesting to see how he transitions into being a full time actor. No. Yeah. Hopefully. I, I hope for good for everybody. Except for racist pieces of shit who don't like Domino being black. Yeah. Those people are jerks. Well, there's some more internet people that you're not going to like either. So did you guys hear about this big Marvel milkshake uh, thing that, went, that yeah. happened? No. Yeah. no, please explain. So there was a group of uh, female staffers from Marvel that uh-huh. got together and went out for milkshakes. Okay. And then posted a picture on Twitter was it on uh, Marvel's official Twitter? Like there, there's no. There it was, was on one of the of... staff members' Twitter. Oh, so it wasn't but it said "Make bit. Mine Marvel," and it had like maybe hashtag uh, Marvel okay. or yeah. it was, like "Make Mine Milkshake" hashtag Marvel it, or something. Was it that woman who does the Marvel videos on YouTube? And those I'm not. People? I'm not sure. It was. It's a bunch of staffers. Like okay. there, yeah. it looks like there was twenty of them there. All so, women. Yeah, all, all women. Yeah, with milkshakes. Okay. So then, I guess the you know the the idiot internet trolls just started jumping all over it about. Stuff you know, getting into the misogynistic stuff about all you know the how women don't shouldn't be working in comics or and all that kind of bullshit. <sighs> so then you know, thankfully the decent people of the internet and other industry insiders and people that work in the industry got on board and DC started, followed it up with their own picture. Archie yeah. posted a a graphic of a milkshake with three straws. So, like, basically, can we come to? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like, there's a lot of kind of fun, creative responses. Yeah, so a bunch of different, it. yeah, the different writers, artists, people started tw- uh, tweeting out pics of themselves with milkshakes in support of them. And then, yeah, like you said, there's a big, a big, like, staff DC one that put, you know, and then it was like hashtag, they will make mine Marvel or something like that. And they kind of, like, in total support of these women that, mm. for some reason... Idiots on the internet decided to jump all over because they were having milkshakes. It's very easy to fall down a rabbit hole, especially on YouTube, of people... Oh, never read the comments. Oh, Oh, I wasn't reading the comments, but I I fell into this YouTube darkness of people who claim that anybody who supports uh, women or minorities are social justice warriors. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, ugh. Ugh, it's 2017. Yeah. I just don't get it. It's... You know, like, I, I don't, I just don't understand it. I, I really don't. And like, I, um, I mean, part of me is expecting. I wrote a column for a geek card today, 
where it was my picks on creators who I think are going to be big in the next two years. Mm-hmm. Oh, get the, the people that are going to get the Brent, the Brent Chittenden bump? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> These are comics hey, people? Hey, you do a panel with me, you end up getting some really good jobs within the next three months afterwards. These are all comics so, people you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, all okay. comic people. Um, and it wasn't by design, but as it turned out, a couple of them are, are women. And in fact, one of them, the, the writer on the list, Teeny Howard, She's going places. Yeah. Like it's it's uh, it's not if it's when with her. She's really good on her own stuff, and she's really good on licensed stuff. Mm-hmm. Like she writes uh, for Top Cow right now, the Magdalena, which when it started out back in the day was like a Witchblade attached book. Mm-hmm. You know, boobies and sea and like spears mm-hmm. basically, and she's doing some really cool stuff with it mm. and like if you can do that like she was telling me what she was doing for she wrote the pink power ranger special from boom i think has the power rangers license okay. sounds right yeah she did a one shot for them and she was explaining to me the story and stuff like that and she nearly had me sold me on that and i don't like power rangers at all right so <laughs> was... well i think i think uh if, when you get people from different backgrounds and different different just people who are different then you're going to get different kinds of stories and anything that brings new to the market is good because if it's always the same then you end up stagnating and i think that's happened for far too long and you know here we are four white guys sitting around a table talking about this so i really i mean it's really not my place in some ways to Mm. make these kinds of comments but to other middle-aged white guys shut the fuck up (laughs) And with that, do we have any more news or are we good? I'm good. All right. Well, we got news that Kevin has dropped two F-bombs in the last two episodes. <laughs> and I'm not the one who swears. No. Is somebody, is somebody counting them? I was listening. Oh, I know you were listening. <laughs> last episode, Kevin dropped an F-bomb. Uh, I don't this wanna, episode, I, Kevin I drops another. I dropped the F-bomb. I, yeah. I kind of want to tell Gavin... To, to add that to the, yeah. the tracking list, but at the same time, he's getting married in September. I don't want to add more to this <laughs> list. No, but basically, just to wrap up the point, where it comes down to the internet trolls, the people who can sit with 140 characters to try to speak their crap. I'm getting sick of it, mm-hmm. um, especially when you get to comic cons. I'm sick and tired, especially as being a cosplayer. I'm sick and tired of people coming up and having given their your two cents worth. Like, really, you, your opinion doesn't matter. I don't care. Um, especially, like, you know, who cares? Who cares Who cares if Domino is black? Who cares if if on Star Trek, you know, the cast are all, you know, the main characters are female? Yeah. Or of different ethnicities? Yeah. Who cares? Who cares if the next Star Wars movie or the next 15 Star Wars movies, we have no more white guys on it? Who cares? Yeah. If all you don't the- like it, take your ball, go home. And all that matters is that it's good. Yeah, yeah that's a, that's my thing. Yeah, and it's like I don't and and if it's bad, it's usually bad to writing. It has nothing to do with sex, gender, or anything. It's usually due to that and company politics. Mm-hmm. Like apparently, what's going on with the Dark Tower movie, which I, I'm going to go see, but I'm kind of scared now. It's not getting good reviews, isn't it? Oh, I'm hoping it's good. Apparently, the story behind it is um, it's a joint venture between three different film companies, and at least two of them had veto power, and so did Stephen King. 
that was written as part of the deal. So you have three <laughs> completely separate entities with different agendas all being able to say no to shit. Yes. Yeah. It's like, so, uh, apparently that's why, you know how we were like, the, the trailers just started appearing and it's like, well, these should have been out like months ago because it's like, it comes out in August. Well, apparently that's part of the reason why they is they'd make a trailer and one company would go, nah, don't like it. And then they'd make another one and the other company would go, nah, don't like it. And then like, it just, you know, too many cooks in the kitchen essentially. But Ugh. Uh, I'm I'm hoping. Are all these companies involved because they all have different Stephen King rights and um, no, it's the, uh, no, it's the no, it's um, it was the way to get it financed because oh. it was the idea was this is going to, this is going to be a huge multi-platform epic if it works out. Oh, this movie right. does well this weekend. We're getting a TV series out of it. Right. Well, you said, yeah, I thought I remember hearing that originally. It was supposed it, to be TV series, then movie with other yeah. movies don't following Don't the Dark it. Tower books touch all of the other Stephen King properties? Yes, and in some they're way? not going to be able to do that in the in mm-hmm. this. And, it's a, and to be fair, it's one of those things that King added later on in the mm-hmm. books. So it's kind of easy to avoid if right. they want to. Or if they get the rights to something, it's really easy to tie into yeah. it too. So. And this is supposed to be after the books, like it's a, like a yeah. sequel to the book. Like you, you don't have to to have read the book, but yeah. if you read the book, this okay. is kind of like following it. Well, right? here's the it was, okay. Spoiler alert for anybody who has not finished the Dark Tower books: stop listening now, or never touch them, or, like or never touch the books. Essentially, the the Dark Tower books run in in time wise can run in a cycle. And every time Roland gets close to the Dark Tower, he fails or something else fails. And I'm trying to kind of be vague about it. And he, boom, goes back to the start. We start the whole process over again. Except if he gets this magical item, the the Horn of Elt. Well, in the movie, he's got that right at the start. We're, we're starting from scratch. And, like, new, basically... He's going after this fresh sort of thing. But he doesn't have a lot of the memories of the past cycles. He's got bits and pieces, if even if that. So that's that's why this is like, it's kind of a reboot, but not. Like, it, it's actually one of those things that, like, makes sense in terms of the books and, like, and allows the movie to do whatever the hell they want with it and the yeah. TV series and stuff. Hmm. But... Yeah, I, I'm, I'm curious. I, I'm still going to go see it because I love I, Idris Elba, but... And I love the Dark Tower books, but um, my expectations are steadily getting lowered. So maybe I'll come out of it like, ah, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> well, the other thing, too, when it comes down to new movies, and I've been doing this a lot lately, is especially on Facebook, where, you know, opening night, everyone goes to see it. I don't, I don't read. I don't even, if somebody says, oh, I went to go see this, I just scroll right past it. Yeah. Because I really want no input. Mm-hmm. And that's what ruined it for me. I still haven't seen Valerian yet. I wanted to go out and see it, and everyone's like, oh, it sucks, it sucks, it sucks. I still want to see it. I would like to see that, too. But sometimes knowing that everybody says that lowers your expectations, and you come out and go, you know, that wasn't as bad as everybody says. Yeah. Um, so. But usually, like, what I try to do, especially on social media, I go and see a movie, I'll post, I'm seeing it. I keep my opinions to myself. Yeah. Like, if someone even wants to message me saying, hey, you know, what do you think? I'll tell them one-on-one. Or if we bring you on a That's podcast. why we have the yeah, podcast. Oh, for yeah. An hour. yeah. Except, no, for, except for Spider-Man. I didn't get to go, come on with the no, Spider-Man you didn't. one. Uh, I had lots of things to say about Spider-Man. <laughs> uh, well, you can tell so, us about Atomic Blonde if you want. Yeah. I haven't seen that yet. Oh, well, speaking of which, you guys both saw it separately, but you guys both saw it. Was it good? I liked it. Yep. 
No, it's uh, well. I want to touch on it later. <laughs> oh, you oh, oh, it's my it's my pick. Oh, uh, okay. Oh. Okay, we'll go. We'll we'll get back to it then. And and I'm thinking towards the end of the summer, I'm going to do. We'll try and do a summer wrap up show. We'll have Ed on. We'll have Jen on as well, and just kind of go through the movies that we saw and sort of pick our our favorites and stuff like that. Because we, we've been we've all been to. A bunch batch of, of them. I've seen yeah. more movies, movies this summer than I have in the last few summers. Yeah. So. Yeah. So speaking of summer, so my idea for this episode, which I sent to the guys and uh, it seemed to work out pretty well, um, was that we were going to talk about our favorite summer blockbusters. This was this was inspired by two things. One was um, Kevin's list that he's going through of different genre movies going year by year. Mm-hmm. And a friend of mine, Stefan, who I, I worked for at Rethink when I did Fantasy, he is watching every... He's trying to watch every Western release, like Western film release from 1984. Oh, okay. Which is one of those, like, you look at it like, wow, that was a magical year for movies. The uh, um, His reasoning is... is um, 84 is apparently one of the last years in film before computers are really involved at all. Okay. Like in, like not CG necessarily, but like in terms of some of the, the special effects, like, uh, camera control and right. stuff like that. It's like, they're just starting to creep in in 84. And so he's watching Western movies? No, like, well, like no, like from like the North West. America. He's not oh, watching oh, no, things from... Oh, he's watching cowboy movies? No, from no, sorry. <laughs> There's like a handful of those. No, yeah, like, like his double bill the other night, and he's trying to watch them cr- as chronologically as he can. He's going through um, Netflix in the States, at, still has a DVD service. Right. So he's going through as many as he can chronologically with the help of Netflix until... They run out, and the Netflix streaming service runs out, and his collection runs out. Okay, and then he'll go back if there's like if there's a what's, movie that he missed. And what's his criteria though? Like he's watching like every movie that came out that year. Well, no. in the Nin- major releases, oh. so he's the Nin- nineteen eighty four. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of big. Movies. There's a lot. Of Temple of Doom's in eighty. Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah, Beverly Night- Hills. Nightmare on Elm Street. Karate yeah, I Kids. would have said 1982 was the year. It, well, it, it, I think it's his qualifications for the computer thing too, because um, it's right before that starts creeping in. Terminator, I, Gremlins. Um, his last double bill that he did the other night was Children of the Corn mm. and Splash. Oh, <laughs> the Tom Hanks, of her. but not apparently, the apparently they came out in the same month and close. I guess close together. I'm not sure of the same date, but the next movie I have to watch is Carrie. Ooh, cool! That's a good movie. And I'm not a horror movie guy, but I will watch Carrie. Nah, it, it, by today's standards, yeah, it's, it's not pretty mild. Mild. So, um, with all that in mind, I asked each of these guys to pick out uh, their favorite uh, summer blockbusters. Um, the criteria was it was anything. Um, shit, what year did I give you? 75? 1975. Yeah. Anything after Jaws. Jaws came yeah. out. June 1975 was, was the only rule that we had. Now, place. I did fluctuate on the, the start month that you can go with because yeah, that has changed. summer blockbuster. Yeah, that has changed over the years. Mm-hmm. But the end, we, we kind of gave it a soft cap at around September. Right. So um, let's start, uh, since he is the special guest of this episode, or recurring themed guest, or... 
Guinan of this episode. Uh, let's start with uh, Ed and uh, your choice or okay. choices. Well, see, and that's the thing. I have a bunch of choices. See, when you originally came up with the idea, that's where I said, well, what are the rules and guidelines and criteria? And you just said, go with it. So for me, when it came down to summer blockbusters, it had to be something I saw in theater. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Agreed. Because that's the idea of a summer blockbuster. Mm -hmm. I'm is so nervous he's going to snipe my pick. It doesn't matter. <laughs> no. You can just add on to it's it. Like it's a draft it. or something. You can have different reasons for for it to be your pick. Oh, though. I even have. I have. I have three different categories. I'm sure, I'm sure my two movies that I have in I've mind I've only got one. Maybe I should go first. Then one I've... is on your list. Well, let's go with your major one. <laughs> okay. First, Ed. Well, major one. See, there's some that were huge money makers or part of huge franchises. Yeah. But the one that I came up with that was number one on my list was Batman Returns. Really? Yeah. Okay. Why, why Batman Returns? Me. Okay. So now... Batman is on my second list. Like the 89 Batman. 89 Batman. Okay. 89 Batman is still probably my top five movie of all time. Okay. But 1992 with Batman Returns, that is one we went to the drive-in to go see it. My parents took me. Mm -hmm. So 1992, I was 17 years old. Or okay. 17. My parents never took us to the movies. Ever. Like... Actually, it was 1985. We went to go see uh, Teen Wolf <laughs> okay. at the drive-in. Yeah. And the screen right next to us was uh, uh, Back, Back to the Future. future. So we had... <laughs> we had, so there was two yes, Michael J. Yeah, bodies? so screen one was Teen Wolf, and you could look over, and screen two was Back to the Future. <laughs> so 1992, and actually the only other time my parents took us to the movies was... Uh, when the Rocketeer came out, mm. so we went to go see. Oh, I love that movie. We went to go see that drive-in. So yeah, yep. uh, leading up because I loved '89 Batman so much. Leading up into Batman Returns, I was completely obsessed. Uh, I got a hold of any picture I could of Batman Returns uh, tribute magazines. Yeah, I got a stack of them where they all had the poster. So I went through every single one and I cut out the picture, the poster of Batman Returns. I had a wall in my bedroom that was nothing but Batman Returns. Like are these different posters in each? <laughs> no, it was thing? the same poster. The same poster. <laughs> it was the same <laughs> okay. poster. The one that has the three heads of, of Batman, Penguin, and Catwoman with all the penguins on the bottom. Oh, like the like the theatrical yeah, poster. The movie the, poster. The second one. Yeah. Uh, my wall was nothing but that poster. Huh. Um, some friends of ours um uh, there was a promotion through Shoppers Drug Mart back in those days. Okay. A six-foot-tall Batman poster of him Whoa. standing in front of the, the crashed Batboat. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, nice. It was for Pear Shampoo. <laughs> Does it have Pear Shampoo's logo on yeah, it? Yeah, down on the bottom oh, in right black. Then. It said uh, Pear Shampoo. But it was a six-foot-tall Batman poster. So okay. I had that on that wall. So, like, that was leading up to it. So it was like, and almost every day. It was like saying to my parents... Can we go? Can we go? Like, I, I didn't have my driver's license yet. Yeah. So, you know, like it was... And that was about the pinnacle of movie tie-ins at other, at, like in stores and at other... In that was one of the too, first right? ones that was like heavily merchant. Well, remember there was the... Was it the first one that had the Batman in the Batmobile going to the drive-thru? At McDonald's, uh, I was gonna. No, I was I gonna ask Batman the second Returns because they because had the toys for the I second had, one. Uh, the only toy I had was a Catwoman in a purple car. Yeah, that See, came out of that. And, Batman in '89, there wasn't much to it. 
Mm. But 89, that was a big year for movies. Indiana Jones, The Last Crusade, Ghostbusters yeah. 2. But there wasn't a lot of merchandising back then. No. With 92, Batman Returns, it was everywhere. Like, yeah. you know, like, I had it. It was all stuck on the wall. So... That's a, that's a movie that I keep meaning to revisit because I remember seeing it. And I don't think I saw it as a kid. I think I saw it in my young teens. And I was like, eh, it's all right. Like, uh, but like, it's like, a Christmas movie. You should yeah. add it to yeah. your holiday. Yes, movie. that's Ooh, right. To throw that in with <laughs> Lethal Weapon and Die Hard. So Jen yep. will really hate me. <laughs> well, and, and plus with Batman Returns as well, like, you know, he was already established as a character, like as Michael Keaton as yep. Batman. Um, yeah, there's, it's got flaws, but to me, it's oh, still. Well, that's, we're not, this isn't like it, a whose movie is when best. It came this up, is which when one it came is up important for to you, right? Absolute summer blockbusters. Yeah. It's like, yeah, 25 years ago, that was one of the biggest movies I'd ever waited for. Now, okay. like, I can go through the rest of my list. On well, let's, let's go around the table because we also have to go get dinner at some point. Batman so. Returns is the Tim Burtoniest of yeah. the Batman movies. Like, oh. like the Batman. Batman is a Tim Burton film, obviously, but Batman Returns was like, I am going to make this the most Tim Burton yeah. thing I can, and well, still in the, be in, in the realm of Batman to the and, point where Paul Rubens, Pee Wee Herman, is has a cameo in, as, um, as as Penguin's, Penguin's, Penguin's father, yeah. Yeah. and it's actually more of a Bruce Wayne movie. I Bat- guess. Batman yeah. isn't in it I, I as much. I haven't seen it in so long, I can't even make a comment so, on it. But That's cool. Okay, so Kevin Orion, who wants to Well, go I want to go next because my pick was going to be Batman. Uh, 1989's Batman. <laughs> no, no, that works. Um, I've got another movie that I want to talk to, too, but just briefly on Batman. Um, Batman 1989, I was 18. Uh, it's the first movie I remember lining up at midnight to see. Oh, okay. I can I can get that. Um, me and my buddy Reg went to see um, to see Batman at the Aurelius Cinema Four, and uh, so we went to the midnight showing. Uh, it was the first movie I bought the T-shirt before the movie came out, so I mm. went to the movie wearing a Batman T-shirt because uh, they marketed that movie. They didn't know what they had with that movie, I think, so they marketed it with just the Batman logo. Yeah, the poster just had the Bat- Batman logo. Batman logo on it. But even the poster. And, you know, here we are 20, 26, 27 years later. Yeah. It always got me with that poster because it cuts the logo off. It does. Yeah. You know, and I always thought that's kind of stylish. Yep. Even now, like where movie posters, DVD, Blu-ray releases are heavily edited and uh, you don't get the classic art that you would back in those days. Yeah. Even now, it's still, it's it's cropped out. It's yep. like... It's not the full Batman logo. And it was the first, like, we had had a few superhero movies before that. Uh, the Superman movies were probably the biggest before that. Yep. But those had gotten stupid by 1989. Yeah, uh, 1987, you had uh, uh, Quest for Peace. Superman the Quest for Peace. I took a girl to that movie and then uh, apologized profusely because that was the worst movie I ever paid money to see in a theater. <laughs> I think I walked out of that movie. It was so bad. Uh, but, um, but Batman took the genre just seriously enough. Uh, it was a darker movie than... Because at that time, too, the only real television or media presence Batman had had was the Adam West show from 66. Yep. So they were fighting against that stereotype as well. I'm sure most of the reviews of the time said, bow, bam, pow, wham. Uh, so it made it... I mean, obviously its influences were 
Frank Miller and Batman Year One and uh, Dark Knight, but it didn't take it too far. It was still fun, even though it was dark. Well, you had you had darker Jack Nicholson as yeah. the Joker, who is good, but he like he's just chowing down on the scene. Oh, totally. Like, he's hamming it up something awful, totally. but it works for that character exactly. So like, if it was a different character. That that movie like that would have been awful, but it just it really works on a whole. The other cool thing with eighty nine Batman as well is the soundtrack. Oh, yeah, the, yeah. I listened to that Prince album. Yeah, because that was like that album. That album is basically a standalone Prince album. It is. You know how many movies have we had since then where you had a soundtrack that was written for the movie? Yeah. Mm. Um, the only, by one artist. By one artist. The yeah. only one I can think of is that She's the One soundtrack by Tom Petty. Because yeah. Tom Petty wrote that album for that movie. Now, the, the weird thing about that is that became a contractual sticking point when Prince was renegotiating with Warner Brothers to get his the rights to his catalog back. Because basically what ended up being, because like you said, it's a Prince album. But it's the Batman soundtrack. Yeah. So he ended up giving up that to Warner Brothers to get everything else back. Well, and it was I remember, that and like partial rights to Purple Rain, I think, was the other thing. And back in those days, uh, you know, the top 40 countdown with Casey Kasem, like I remember I was listening to see how high Bat Dance was going to get mm-hmm. in the ratings. Like it was like, yeah, there's a lot of great things out of that movie. Yeah. So 1989's two big media things, in my opinion, are Batman and The Simpsons. Those two things, like, those were the logos you saw everywhere that Mm -hmm. year. Well, 89, for me, 89 was a great year. That was a year I started high school. How many other cool things started? Like, Kids in the Hall. Yeah. Yeah. You know, 89 was a a huge pop culture year, so... All right. I was nine years old. (laughs) (laughs) So... Ryan, what are you going with? Well, I'm going to get us back into the old Wayback Machine. Go back to what we were talking about, 1984. The number two movie that year at the box office, Ghostbusters. (laughs) I thought you were going to say Gremlins for a second. (laughs) Oh, no. No, Gremlins gives me nightmares. Okay. Ghostbusters. I my mom brought me to the theater to see Ghostbusters. What a the, great but irresponsible <laughs> choice because you were only four years old at exactly. the time. Exactly, <laughs> and I brought that up to her before, and she's like, uh, "Stars and Strollers does not count." For that wasn't either. <laughs> wow, yeah. and she said, "Well, you wanted to go, so she brought me." How did you even know about Ghostbusters at four years old? Well, I'm sure TV there was commercials, TV commercials, probably. toys. Like, there was some well, merchandise. Well, I don't think there was toys. Toys didn't really hit until real Ghostbusters. I though, was right? a sensitive young child. There was no way I could have sat through Ghostbusters at age four. Well, I did. And I enjoyed it. And then I remember, I've, you know, it's one of those movies that I know I've watched it over and over again yeah. over the years. I've had it on. I don't know if I had it. If so I had a copy on VHS, but I probably had a copy of it where I recorded it from on TV. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, got a Blu-ray, got a DVD, got toys, got, you know, what else? What other merchandise, yeah. do, you know, that's out there? Like the other day, we went to the dollar store and bought, you know, I bought all four of the original Ghostbusters for $4 each at the at the dollar store, which was awesome. So do you remember seeing it at the theater, though? Because you were quite young. Like, you I, were, like I remember how much of, of it the experience because I, of my, it? I, I believe one of my older cousins came with us, and I remember... You know, afterwards, I'm dropping them off. I remember, I think I was scared of Slimer. 
in that whole the sequence in the oh uh, really in the what about uh, the terror dogs because I know when I was a little kid that it was the terror dogs for me that scared yes me. I don't know if the dogs did you know if they scared me all that much I know that like the, that music at the end mm. especially after the uh, after the containment unit explodes and there's that kind of you know typical 80s music but it's kind of like creepy and weird that uh, that always gave me like you know the you know kind of like spooky kind of feeling and watching stay puff melt didn't give you terrors no no i think the only thing you know might have been slimer might have bugged me for a bit but then do you remove all the ladders from your sims pool when you put the sims in it (laughs) i don't play the sims that's a computer that's a computer game i don't play computer Uh, games oh that's a good choice so yeah, it's, a, it's it's also making me feel old when we keep throwing well, these gears. So the only, the only other thing I can, now okay. I feel old because I'm thinking, you know, four-year-old movies. I remember a friend of ours took us to go see Pete's Dragon. So that's my my memory yeah. when I'm four Race years old. Race for your life, Charlie Brown. That was one of my first movies ever. Like, the only thing I can think of, if I didn't necessarily, you know, I did one in my research, I saw there was a re-release the next year, yeah. a brief run. Well, that's so a, even this. So, so even then, it might have been in '85 when I saw it. But either but it's way, still, it's still yeah, a it's summer a blockbuster. blockbuster. It was, no, no, exactly. But no, you no, still no, saw it. In but I either saw it in. Well, when it's I was weird. Four movies or, used to do that all the time. Mm-hmm. Now, when it, it's like a special event, if it does that, well, yeah. No. But, but like, back in those days, it took a year, two years to get a home video. Yeah, and in, home in, video. You couldn't buy it, and no. in, well, well, you, you could. could but they were one hundred and fifty dollars yeah, yeah. VHS. Because that, funnily enough, that goes into my pick. So, um, but yeah, like a, if you look at one of those things for like that, one of the websites that lists all the changes to the original Star Wars: A New Hope over the years, that I didn't realize it until I read that list at one point. That it was like re-release after re-release. There were little tweaks here and there. Okay. So, like, <laughs> like the like when they added the new hope to the mm-hmm. the crawl, that wasn't on it originally. That was during one of the re-releases they did, like a year or two after. Oh, it yeah, because it was, always it was called just Star-, Star Wars. Yeah, it was yeah. called Star Wars. Yeah, and it didn't say Episode Four. Yeah, and like I think it, I think that Star like a New Hope got re-released in more or less its original form, like before the special edition stuff. Like at least two or three times, and it's, but nowadays when that happens, it's like it's either for Oscar bait. What you gonna say? You know, yeah, do it right, right around, around Oscar, Oscar time, season, or it's like they make a really big deal out of it. So, so funnily enough, like my pick goes into a little bits and pieces of conversation that we've had about all these movies. My choice is also a. Uh, n- uh, a great, maybe not so great moment in parenting. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, 1991, and I had to see Terminator 2. Um, How old were you in 1991? Uh, 10 or 11, depending uh, on when yeah. did it come out. Uh, do, 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 do. It's in the summer. Because uh, your birthday's in the summer. Oh, so it would have been close because it comes out July 3rd. So you would have been 10. Yeah, it would have been 10. Um, my parents would not take me to see it because it was rated R. Yeah. <laughs> like, good for them. Um, but it was one of those things that, like, well, it's not that they wouldn't take me to see it. It's more because it's, it's more along the lines of 
my parents, when we went to the movies, it was a group thing, and like with my parents and my sister. My sister's younger than I yeah. am. So it always had to be something family friendly. So that's why, like, I ended up seeing Free Willy. Uh, I think two on one of my birthdays because there was nice. nothing else family friendly on at the time, mm-hmm. and it was like, eh. Uh. But um, I was staying with my grandmother for a week that summer because we were off for the summer, and I think my mom was working, so that she shuttled us off to uh, my grandmother's for two weeks, and we went to the movies. Uh, twice we I can't remember what the first one was but the second one my sister really wanted to see this kids movie and I really wanted to see Terminator 2 and my grandmother bought my ticket slid it back behind her gave it to me I went up and I looked like a little bit of an older kid anyways and it was a teenager doing the ticket ripping so he didn't give a crap nice so rip my ticket that I it would have been the theater in Aurelia that I saw it at okay because my grandmother lived in Warminster the cinema four yeah and I was like two rows up or or, or two or three rows uh, from the front of the screen I just remember being like just sitting there anticipating and then that uh, endoskeleton foot crushes the skull like at at the start and then we see the laser blast and I'm just like this is fucking awesome (laughs) (laughs) and I knew none of my friends were going to get a chance to see it Oh, that nice. was the other thing. H- had you seen the first Terminator by this point? I think so, or at least like a TV edited version. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was saying, what made you like at that age be like even know about Terminator to be like I, I got to see Terminator? It was a combination because that again was a, a movie that was promoted the crap well, out. Nineteen ninety one, when Terminator came out, it was huge, but a lot of people didn't know about the original movie. Yeah. Oh, you right. mean when, yeah, when Terminator yeah. 2 came yeah. out? Like, ter- yeah, like Terminator, like the original Terminator. It was in 84, wasn't it? Yeah, 84. 84. And the way Terminator 2 was marketed, especially back in those days, it was kind of, this didn't, like, don't worry about the first Terminator. Yeah. You, yeah. Don't, you don't need to know anything about it. It also first got Terminator. a lot of extra coverage because of the, the T1000 in it, which was a breakthrough yeah. in special effects. So, like, it was on Entertainment Tonight and all those type of shows, too. And, and Arnold those, was hot back well, then. Well, yeah. Arnold yeah. was, like, everything Arnold was doing was huge. And back in those days, too, like, Stallone, Stallone was, you know, he, th- those are the don't, you know, stop or my mom will shoot. Years really? for Stallone. Is that, when, is that when it starts? Yeah, around yeah. there. But like Stallone was Stallone was hot in the late eighties. Yep. Schwarzenegger was hot in the eighties, but then you know in the late eighties, Schwarzenegger that's like the Running Man and Red Heat, not as good as what Terminator Two was. And when he did Kindergarten Cop, like even Kindergarten Cop was a huge movie yeah. for him. So and it was the the biggest budgeted movie of all time at that point. So it got extra pressed because of that. And like like any James Cameron movie, yeah. it was like, well, will it be able to make the money back that they spent on it? I don't think so. And of course, it that did. It breaks blew, records and blew it out of the water. So to go back to our conversation about the rental copy. So when it was coming out on video, I wanted it for Christmas. And um, my grandma, the same grandmother, belonged to Columbia Video Club at the time and couldn't get a copy because it wasn't in there. And she went to a video store and bought a rental copy for me for Christmas because she knew I loved the movie that much. Wow. It's funny because I really wanted it for Christmas as well. Yeah. So... My dad went in to go shopping, and it was the last year we got 
presents from dad. Mm. So he went to go get it. And he said, so Christmas morning, I, there's a VHS tape. I open it up. Going back to Whoopi Goldberg, it was Sister Act. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. So, I, so dad says, well, he says, that was sitting beside Terminator. I wasn't sure which one you wanted. Well, the, the weird thing is, <laughs> is, as I recall, is the rent when the rental copies came out, there there usually was a fair lag before they were out in retail in order oh, yeah. for the rental places to get it. So that like it didn't appear, I want to say for like maybe a year afterwards, because yeah. that was that was one of those deals that they had to try and maximize the amount of profit that movie could take. But to this day, I. Uh, it's, Terminator 2 is one of those movies that I, I any new format video player I get uh, that's usually within the first five purchases. You obviously did the attraction at Universal Studios. Yes, I did. Well, wow, that like that was a lot of build up for a lot of awful. Because <laughs> I had wanted to go on that when as soon as that got announced, I would bug my parents, and we didn't have the money to do that trip, all of us. So like years later, I finally get to go on it, and I'm like. Well, I'm sure, like, 10-year-old me would have been blown away yeah, when by it, this. When it came out in the early 90s, it was pretty, It needs a revamp because yeah. the 3D on it. It's is, even better if you go to Universal Studios Japan and see it in Japanese. Yeah. Well, with Terminator in 1997, when they came out with the extended edition, yep. like, to me, I can't go back and watch the theatrical version mm. anymore. I, like, I... It adds too many story beats that are really good. Yeah, and it makes more sense. And especially more T-1000. Yep. So it's funny, with all the money that T-1000 cost, and you you left a bunch of it on the on the editing room See, floor. that was another weird thing, because um, we were at my cottage, and that stuff was included on the Laserdisc copy. My Uncle Bill had a Laserdisc player, or had somebody who had a Laserdisc player, and would copy it onto VHS. And we and for like summer vacations, we would bring the VCRs up to the cottage in case it rained, right? And uh, I hadn't brought my copy, and he had one, and I snagged it. I'm watching it like, I don't remember this stuff in the movie at all. And that's a, that's a couple of years later, I, yeah. that's what I found out it was from. Well, unfortunately, T2 was one of the ones I didn't get to see in theaters. So that made oh. the third part of my list, which oh, was movies okay. I didn't get to see. Yeah. See, uh, that was one of those things that, like, I kind of thought that was going to be... Batman and Terminator 2 were the ones that I thought would pop up, given our well, taste. I but. want to talk about one more before Ed goes through his list, because I don't want to feel like he sniped me again. Because when he <laughs> said Batman Returns was his first pick, I'm like, uh... uh so, 1982, I'm 11 years old. We never go to the movies, just like Ed. We lived outside of town. So, going to the movies was a big deal. Yep. My mom took me to see E.T. Uh... E.T., you could say, uh, E.T. was the number one movie of 1982. No, no, no. Like, I mean, E.T. Like, uh, knocked Star Wars out of the number one box office film of all time, yep. and it remained the number one movie until Jurassic Park came out in 1993. Well, do you remember how big E.T. was when it came out on home e. video in 87? Huge. Oh, because they held that movie for a long time. It was time. five years. Yeah. There was a second theatrical run of E.T., wasn't there? I'm sure there, there was. There was quite a few. Yeah. A couple of them. It was, I was gonna one, say, like, Star Wars. I'm pretty sure I saw that at some point in theaters, yeah, no, they, and I doubt I saw it uh, when, in a, when I was two years according old. According right? to my mom, I ruined, we went to the drive-in when I was very, very young, and it was E.T. and Blues Brothers. 
And apparently, like, the plan was, it's like, oh, he'll watch E.T. and, and slowly drift off, and we'll watch Blues Brothers. Now, I fell asleep, like, two minutes into E.T., woke up, and bugged the shit out of the Jerry Blues Brothers, <laughs> so they didn't get to enjoy the movie. I, I love E.T. I just saw it. They, they showed it at the drive-in last summer, and I went and saw it again. Yeah? It still gets me. Did they have guns or flashlights? Guns. Okay. Yeah. So it was the 20th anniversary re-release in 2002 that Spielberg went in and digitally removed all the guns and replaced them with yeah. walkie-talkies. And he's since come out and said, that was stupid. Don't ever watch that version. I'm putting the guns back in. So um, it's nice to see a filmmaker recognize his mistakes mm. and sort of try to fix them. Well, I think he was enamored with what Lucas was kind of doing in I think the so too. special edition. Because 2002 would have been right in the middle of the run of the special editions. Yep. Uh, and uh, uh, I, f I feel like it's Spielberg's most personal movie. It feels like it's about his life almost. It definitely is really part of it, it yeah. It felt like real life 1982 as well. Those felt like real kids. Uh, I still tear up when E.T. is lying there sick. I love the fact that Except for mom, until the almost the very end of the movie, you never see an adult. Mm -hmm. Everybody's shot from the waist down. Like um, Peter Coyote's character doesn't have a name; he's just there. Yep. he's the head of the of the government coming to take him away, and you mostly only see his keys and him from the waist down. You know, because everything's shot from that kid's point of view, and I think it's a perfect. Kids movie, a perfect you know, family movie. Okay, so two useless trivia points about E.T. One started off its life as a sequel to Close Encounters of the Third Kind. That doesn't surprise me. And basically, it was the the alien subplot. Um, Spielberg liked it and didn't like the rest of it, so mm -hmm. they took that chunk out and just rewrote the movie kind of run around it. And the other thing is, it's it's one of those movies that technically has a Grammy to it. Because it, it it was um, the year Thriller came out, right? Right. So Michael Jackson's taking Grammys for everything, including uh, the audiobook to ET because he read the audiobook. Uh -huh. So it was like like the, it's one of the like the the B sharp episode of, uh, of Simpsons. Simpsons kind of parodies parodies that when they're winning awards that they shouldn't even be nominated for, and it's like. Fuck, he won everything else, and now he gets this one, too? Like, you know that there was some old English so, professor that was like, God damn it. I, I had the um, the novelization of E.T., which I'm sure I got from the Scholastic Book Club. Yep. Uh, there was a sequel novel to E.T. called mm -hmm. The Book of Green Planet, which is not very good. Um, Spielberg had thought about making a sequel, but realized he couldn't uh, yeah. work. So. I'm, I've seen two scripts. That floated around out there that were, were just abandoned yeah. eventually. But it's a perfect, I think it's a perfect movie. And it's so perfect that there there's, hasn't been a sequel. There's not a ton of merchandising for it now because it's now a... But there was a lot of merchandising Oh, there was. Then. I yeah. had the E.T. board game. And the old Atari the, game. The Atari the, game. There's, was, a, there's landfills full of oh, the old Atari <laughs> game. The, uh, the stuffed animals. I remember kids at school had... Yeah, there's, I don't there's know a lot of those floating around by the, by the time I, I remember it. I don't know if kids it. today would like E.T. as much as me at 11 in 1990. Yeah. My, my kids have it. no interest in E.T. But it's then, a slower-paced movie. But for me, I was never a big E.T. Yeah, and I fall into that boat, too. Like, it's it's one of those movies that, like, I don't think it's bad. It just does nothing when for he, me. When it always scared me. 
I enjoyed the you movie as a kid. Ghostbusters, but we're scared by E.T.? I, and I bet I can guess the part. It's the part where he's dying at the end, right? Yep. When he, like, when he's, with that whole oh, thing, yeah, it just, yeah. I could see that out. freaking a child But out you have no, I, no problem that seeing movie. a 50-foot-tall marshmallow man burst into flames. No, that's fun. I... I'm a very emotional person, and E.T. still makes me tear up to this very day. Oh, and it's usually true. the scene where he, where they're, all the kids are r- racing on their bikes through the woods, and uh, and then E.T. makes his finger glow, and they all take off into the air. And I'm like, oh, my God. That's the moment it just gets me that they're going to get away with it. And, mm. and uh, that's another movie with a ride at Universal Studios, which I quite enjoy as well. I, we the, didn't get a chance to go it's on. It's the oldest ride at Universal. It's the only original attraction left there. We were going there. to go on it, and it was like an hour-long wait, and our feet were killing us. So you tell the ride like, operator your name when you walk in the queue, and as you leave, E.T. says, Goodbye, Brent. Oh, that would have just creeped me. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I'm like, nope, done. Sorry, <laughs> see you later. Bye. But yeah, sleeping with I, a baseball bat tonight in case am, ET comes by with going his glowing finger. As much as I loved Batman because it was one of the first movies I went to a midnight showing of, ET was one of the first movies I remember no. going to, and uh, it's a seminal part of my childhood. Well, okay, just, so you got one more Ed. Because one more ET's not on your list. Well, no, but I'm not gonna. I'm just gonna throw out some names of some of the other movies okay. on my okay, list. Okay, that's cool. So some of the bigger ones was Avengers. Uh-huh. That well, that was my second one because that was the one of those moments where I'm sitting in the theater and the, when the team all assembles at the, oh, towards the, at the end. end of the oh, movie, I, like, I can't believe I'm seeing yeah, this. I was the same way. Just, Emotional dude, tears, thinking 13-year-old me's head would explode yeah, if he had so seen this. Avengers. That's a good choice. Batman Begins. Yeah. yeah. Uh, of course, Batman. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy is one of those surprise ones. We all said... We hope it's good, and it was super fun. Yeah, yeah. X Men in two thousand. Yeah, because uh-huh. that, that was, was sort kick- of that was the reboot that kickstarted of, superhero. Films. Yeah, because yeah. I think what gets lost with the eighty nine Batman and Batman Returns is that kicked off a bunch of superhero movies. They're just they're now kind of forgotten. I, I, consider, I consider those like if you're going to classify movies like. Or the original Superman, that's the golden age. Mm -hmm. 89 Batman would be the silver age. Mm -hmm. Um, X-Men, that would be the bronze age. The uh, the bronze age, the modern age. age, And I would put Iron Man as our modern age. Mm -hmm. Now, the ones I have the best memory for. So, you know, the list I just had were, you know, some of the best, biggest movies. Now, the ones I have the best memory of, um, Austin Powers. I was just thinking about we haven't talked about comedies, and I love the Austin Powers. Oh, see, I, I throw Ghostbusters into the see, comedy, and I don't. Story. And I wanted to say that that some people consider, you know, just because there's comedians in it, it's not really a comedy. Yeah, yeah there's some still funny, got funny. A lot of this, good funny bits. You know, something but, uh, something like Austin of, Powers wasn't a blockbuster, but, but it made so much money. Yeah, no, it did it really on well. It's initial run though, right? It oh, it was out forever. Yeah, I think it's one of those ones that like stuck I, around at like number two and number three, but stuck I, around for a while. Time I worked at the drive-in three. back in those days, and it was at it was at the drive-in for over a month. Yeah, I don't think it made as much money as the sequels did. No, no, no. no. I'm but sure it allowed it, the sequels to do. But well. again, it was a huge pop culture thing. Yeah. So and they probably did those big movies. on home release. So yeah, so Austin Powers, uh, Jurassic Park. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was huge. Man, yeah. I saw that um, in the drive-in twice. 2002 Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there was a lot of lead up to that. 
Um, Phantom Menace in 99. Yeah. I saw that, that five times in theater. See, for me, that's the, the Kevin moment where I, like, that was the one that I lined up at midnight to go see. Which was that again? Sorry. Phantom Menace. Phantom Menace. Menace. Now, oh, I hated that movie. Now, the two other ones, and I think they're largely forgotten now. Uh, 1994 was Speed. Yeah, because that, that was another one that I saw like two or three, because that's how my family got around the whole family-friendly thing in, in the summer, was because there'd be two movies on at the drive-in, so we'd, we'd go, and my sister was either of age that they were more or less appropriate at that point, or she'd fall asleep before we got there. So I saw that, I think it's, True Lies came out the same summer as Speed, didn't it? Yep. Because I saw True Lies and Speed like three times. Oh, nice. Well, and the... Um... You know the other one, and I for, you know you forget about it, but 1993, The Fugitive. Yeah, I was because that was you know that's that's Harrison Ford. That's after Indiana in Jones. His prime, yeah. You know, like still a good movie. Yeah. So that so those are some of the best memories. Like I remember yeah. just to go I remember, back to Austin Powers for a minute. Um, it only made fifty three million dollars at the box office. But the yeah, but it only cost it only cost like twenty yeah, million to make. So it was the thirty seventh highest grossing film of nineteen. Which is still pretty good. But here we are, twenty years later, and uh, you know, Austin Powers is still it's still culturally relevant. Yes. There hasn't been a comedy franchise like that since Austin Powers. No, they tried not with Hangover, really. and but those well, those made the, money though. The first Hangover was funny, and they, they made money. They, but you know, right now they're not uh, as good. You know, comedy. Hangover Two was a piece of crap. And yeah, I yeah. refused to see Hangover Three. Uh, Com- comedy Network has been putting on the Austin Powers movies the last couple Sundays in a row, and mm-hmm. even though I've seen them a million times, and you know, uh, you know, we get to hang out with uh, Doctor Steve all the time, so we get yep. a lot of exposure with with Austin Powers stuff. Um, it still makes me laugh. I'm yeah. Like, you know, as soon as Austin Powers comes on, I'm I'm still laughing. So, well, and if someone does, a, you know, an Austin Powers impersonation, you recognize it. It's still there was a part point of, though where you wanted to punch somebody. Oh in the yeah, face who did? Well, oh, exactly. <laughs> but it's, it's much like Borat. Like it's like okay, it was funny for a while. Yeah, but shut up know, now. You know, at least now you can break into uh, Austin Powers or Doctor Evil, and it's it's still funny. Borat and people. You yeah. Know. No. Yeah. It's not the nice. <laughs> what about you, Ryan? Did you have any other movies that came close to making the cut or Uh well that was the one that I had other movies but they didn't that I thought would be would but fit, fit but then your when criteria. I when I looked into it it's like, "Oh, well that wasn't a summer movie." Yeah. That was a winter movie and I'm like, "Really? Oh, okay." So oh. but no, once I thought of Ghostbusters, I really just stopped thinking. Yeah, it's I, I was going with Star Wars originally, but one, I talk about Star Wars a lot. Yeah. And two, it's like I didn't see it in theater. It was Ed mentioned that like that, like so is it something that we saw in theater or can it be anything? And I'm like, oh, it can be anything. And I'm like, yeah, but I didn't see Star Wars in theater. And I, I saw that in the middle of the winter with my dad at home. You know? Yeah. So I, I went with Terminator Two instead. I'm looking at a at the box office mojo list of the number one summer movie uh, since 1982. Yeah. Um. Some of them I, I should have thought of, um, like the Pixar films, like Toy Story 3 yep, and Finding Nemo. Most well, actually, of them you know what? Some... There was one other movie I thought about. Shrek, not Pixar, but... But it's been kind of tainted because of... The, it's, you know, it didn't have a good sequel. Independence Day. 
I can oh, remember going and seeing. I, I loved that the sequel. So I loved that movie when yeah, it first yeah. came out. I, I have an Independence I'm, Day story. Okay, go for it. Uh, so that that came out in what 1990. It was the number one movie of 1996. Oh, 96. Uh, and uh, so a couple buddies and I had Canada's Wonderland season passes. And at the time, if you had a Canada's Wonderland pass, without having to pay extra, you also got admission to all the rest of the Paramount Parks. So we mm-hmm. decided, spur of the moment, to take a road trip to Charlotte, North Carolina, to go to Carowinds. Okay. And we drove all night, which was stupid. And we got there at 8 o'clock in the morning. We were exhausted, so we couldn't do anything. But we took a nap, woke up, went to a movie. And we saw Independence Day in a movie theater in Charlotte, North Carolina. I had already seen it and didn't really love it. I, it's a pretty stupid movie when you think about it. It's a blockbuster popcorn movie. It's a great summer movie. It is. You turn your brain off, you eat popcorn, you watch Aliens explode. You took down Aliens with a Macintosh. Yep. Anyway, I went out to the candy counter and just started chatting with the girl who was working there because I didn't really care about the end of the movie. And there were also a bunch of Marines in the theater who just kept shouting, USA, 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 through the entire end of the movie. Well, I took which was a, the funny part is made by a German guy. <laughs> I I took a girl to go see the movie, and on the way there, she's like, "I saw the trailer for this. I thought it was a news report." And I'm like, "Ha that's pretty funny." She, oh, I'm serious. Well, they did. I can maybe she didn't. Maybe she didn't see the trailer because like the night before it opened, on I guess the Thursday because it opens on Friday. Yeah. There was Fox had one of those TV shows that was on for half an hour that made it look and it had it was shitty. No, no, it was the trailer. It was the thirty second TV commercial. Okay. <laughs> well, they did do a TV show. It had like a news report TV show that took sequences from the movie, like when the the helicopter goes up and starts doing the the, the flash and the lights part and gets and explodes like that. At the that's at the end of the news report, uh, as if it's like a live news event that's really happening so i remember watching that so that brings us to the end of this episode which as our regular listeners will know means geek picks this is uh suggestions by us for things that you should check out watch read go do go see what have you so we'll start with that since i know he's got one all right so we kind of mentioned it quickly at the top so my pick is atomic blonde okay uh went to go see it just this past weekend so as you're listening to this that was two weeks ago um great movie it's like it's looks beautiful it's it's got a great look to it uh soundtrack is spectacular charlize theron is really good in it yeah um it's just a great it's a great addition to the spy genre Mm -hmm. um you know, when people saying it's like, oh, it's an ex-John Wick or it's a female James Bond. Um, my disagreement with that is it's the first Lorraine Broughton. She's that good of a character. Hmm. That much fun to watch. Have you read the comic? I hadn't read the comic. I do want to now. Yeah. Um, so I just love the idea. It, you know, it seems to be the theme with this one. It The movie takes place in 1989. Yep. <laughs> You know, it's it's one of those the Berlin walls falling down. Um, right off the top, I had to do a little bit of research after we saw the movie. So they play the you know Reagan, you know Mr. Gorbachev, take down this wall. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, wait a minute. He said that in about eighty six. That was eighty seven. So it's funny how they show that lots of Reagan showed in the movie, 
Reagan wasn't even president by then. Uh, you know, George yeah, George Bush, 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 was, Bush, Bush was president. So it's uh, no, it's a great movie. Lots of action. James McAvoy is a lot of fun to watch. Charlize Theron, unbelievable. Oh yeah, um, yep. you know, and I I love. I love the eighties anyways. I'm a, you know, I'm a full blown eighties kid. Mm-hmm. So to me, the fashion, the music, the look, everything about it was great. Um, so I hope it makes money. I hope it gets a sequel, especially with this being the summer of empowerment for women. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, wonder woman was out there killing it. Why aren't people running out to go see this one? Like this, I this think is it's a, just the release. It's a it's it. a strong, great female character yeah. that I think people yeah, should. You never know; it might get a little bit of a bump this weekend if if Dark Tower is as bad as they say. I'm hoping that <laughs> or or Dunkirk slips a little bit. Dunkirk oh, uh, starts. Number one movie last week, yeah. and I don't want to and spoil the ending. But after seeing the ending, it's like God. I want a sequel to this movie. Yeah, and I'm thinking. Well, here's hoping. That stupid emoji movie just drops off. Yeah, like, yeah I it could because it's you know it could it or opened, it could not because you know, it's one of the few kids movies out right but, now. Yeah, it's it's got a talking poop. When yeah. did Atomic Blonde come out? Just last this, week. This, yeah, yeah it was only one oh. weekend. Oh, yeah. so it, it was. It's like it's not on the weekly box office. Box office no, see, it, it, it did not so great. But it's not on the list at all for last week. Uh, but that could that could always be like it, it ended like it opened after the, the yeah it wasn't even in the top four after the it weekend wasn't all right Ryan uh my pick is uh, one of my monthly books that I pick up uh, comic books uh, is the uh, the current run of Spider Man which is the Miles Morales the Miles Morales Spider Man okay. book and uh, it's up to, I just picked it up this week uh, issue nineteen came out uh, it's been a great run you know. We've got stories where we're interacting with Miles and his parents, you know, uh, keeping the secret from them when they find out. Who do they find out? Uh, we've got they, they, there's holdover characters from uh, the Ultimate Universe, yep. some of his supporting cast that still exist now into the combined universe. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's just it's been good. You know, we, there's been a crossover with Spider Gwen uh, that was really good. Uh, yeah, it's just it's one of the books that you know, one of the few Marvel books I still buy. Like one of the you know, it seems to be only Spider Man books that I get lately from Marvel. But uh, and I don't buy any DC from, but that's a whole different thing. Sure. But yes, no. So I that's yeah, I enjoy that book. I'd say if you want to read some Miles Morales, I'd read that one. Kevin. On Sunday night, we got together and played Dungeons and Dragons. Yes, we did. Uh, my friend Doug dungeon mastered for us, and he was quite entertaining. And I think we started a very interesting story that I think we're all intrigued to find out what happens next. It had been years since I'd played. Mm. Uh, it's coming back to me slowly. I had a lot of fun, and I've been wanting to play for a while after listening to people play Dungeons and Dragons on a podcast. So I hope you guys had a good time. I know I did. I know Doug did. Uh, so I hope we can. Yeah, I want to keep going again. with the story. So um, it's just whether we, <laughs> we can finding the time. Time yeah. is finding the, the, the hard time. part between all of us. It's, I play in a Harry Potter role playing game, and there's like four people involved, and to, and. Two live at one house, two live at the other house, and we've had a hell of a time getting it going yeah. in the summer. But yeah, and no, they, it's, I've all I've been a playing role playing games since I was like ten, eleven. Yeah, when uh, my my buddy got the big red box. I right? got the red box 
for my 12th birthday. Yeah. So it's, it, it, you know, and then there was other role-playing games after it. I'm, I'm a big fan of Rifts. And oh, I the, played Marvel Superheroes. and Oh, from TSR. And, yeah, yeah. And the DC Heroes role-playing game. You know, that that's the, the DC role-playing game has the only other... W- like official Watchmen stuff. Yes. After Watchmen, yes, until was they a, did the revamp, there because, was a Watchmen supplement for yeah, the for the and RPG. Alan Moore contributed to it. Yeah. It was. Uh, I think Len Wein was ended up writing most of it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, I'm glad. Good. It's going to be. A, hopefully, we get some more uh, more Rat Boy killing in because that was fun. <laughs> um, they were, weren't they Dog Boys? Oh yeah, Dog they Boys. were Kobolds. Were they kobolds? Yeah. Is that well? He switched to calling them that after calling them like yeah. kind of like dog boys. I'm like, I know what a kobold is. Yeah. <laughs> um, my pick is uh, from Image Comics. It is the latest in uh, well, it's kind of all three. It's the latest part of Matt Wagner's Mage trilogy. Mm-hmm. This series just started. It's uh, Mage, the hero denied. The last one was, uh, okay, so the first one, Mage the Hero Discovered, Mage the Hero Defined, I think was the second one. Um, it's, it's basically about the, the modern avatar of King Arthur with a little bit of Gilgamesh thrown in there, and he wields a magic baseball bat and fights monsters, but it's kind of about the hero's journey as well. It's the first book. Uh, the art's a little rough because it was like the first thing Matt Wagner really ever did. Uh, second book's really good because his his art is down pat, and this one is shaping up to be pretty good. And it makes for an easy cosplay costume for me to do for uh, Barry Comic Con. <laughs> um, before we get going, I just want to mention um, uh, if, if you've been listening to the show at all. Uh, you'll notice the the theme music by Kirby Crackle at the start. Set your phasers to sexy. Um, Kirby Crackle is going to be performing in Toronto as a uh, part of the festivities surrounding Fan Expo. He's going to be part of uh, Nerd Noise Night, which is Saturday, September third. Um, it's going to be at the Horseshoe Tavern, which, if you are a music fan, you know of its legendary status in the city of Toronto. Um, Kyle is also going to be having a table or sharing a table at uh, Fan Expo. So if you like the theme song and like what you hear and you're going to Fan Expo, go visit uh, Kyle's table, buy all his albums, and uh, just say hello and tell him that we sent him. Or we sent you to to him. Yes. Yes. I'm hopefully going to be hooking up with Kyle to do an interview for the show. So awesome. we, we've talked about it. We want to do it. It's just working out yeah. when we actually Details. do it. And when he flies in and stuff like that. So, um, yep. So Nerd Noise Night, September 3rd. Also on the bill is a bunch of other nerd bands like uh, Brental Floss. I'm kind of surprised Cybertronic Spree's not on it, but... They're in town. They're, yeah, they're, they're local. They're, they're, well, they're special guests. Well, the, they announced guests at Fan Expo? I don't know. I, uh, I could have sworn I saw... It wouldn't surprise me because, uh, the, quite frankly, the, the guy... The promoter of Cybertronic Spree, I'm using quotation marks here. Um, uh, what's his name? Sean Hatton. Sure. The, the guy from Electric Playground. Little yeah. little short guy. He, um, he, as far as I know, it's him promoting Nerd Noise Night. So I'm kind of surprised they're not on the bill since he mm-hmm. has a close connection. He's Rumble in Cybertronic Spree. He doesn't tell anybody that, but he's their drummer. 
but yeah, I'm surprised they're not on the bill. But it looks like it, it looks like it'll be an okay show. And the Horseshoe is a good music venue in Toronto, so go see Kirby Crackle. And with that, we bid you adieu for another two weeks. When we come back with, uh, well, whatever we come back with, I'm, I should, be our, should be our fan expo, expo preview. preview. Oh yeah, so um, yeah, we'll we'll be looking at fan expo from uh, our points of view and what's going to be looking good and what's not. And I should have my my uh, schedule for my panels by then. So There's hopefully people things. will know where to, to find me. Hoping. Yeah, well, I, um, I know I'm going to be there. Um, I will po- post up on our Facebook page which ones I'm doing and where I can be found. So um, I'm hoping to do some sketch tools and well, basically whatever I can. I, I have suggested a panel I want to do due to the, uh, the group of talent that's there. I don't know if it's going to be done or whether I'm going to get it if it's going to be done, but um, there's potential for a lot of cool stuff. So at any rate, we will be back with our Fan Expo preview in two weeks. See you later. Set your phasers to sexy. You've been listening to the True North Nerds recorded at the Utility Cupcake Research Kitchen. Reach the nerds on Twitter at True North Nerds. On Facebook, under, surprise, True North Nerds. And you can reach them by email at truenorthnerds at gmail.com. If you like the opening theme song, it's called Set Your Phasers to Sexy by Kirby Crackle from the album Sounds Like You. Please go to kirbycracklemusic.com or look them up on iTunes and buy everything that they have made. You won't regret it. So set your phasers to set